You are listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. What makes the gospel more than just good news? Understand why it has a tremendous impact on our past, present, and future. In this message by Pastor Ariel Marquette. Today we're starting with a brand new series uh, entitled uh, Timeless. Everybody say Timeless. And uh, we're actually talking about the gospel. And how many of you know what the gospel means? Gospel means good news. Everybody say good news. Okay, so uh, when you talk about the gospel, I realize that uh, some people have different uh, ideas of what the gospel is. In fact, if you ask a Christian or maybe a, about a group of 10 uh, Christians, and if you ask them what the meaning of gospel uh, is, they'll probably give you 10 different definitions of gospel. Okay, and so in the next uh, three weeks, we're going to be talking about the gospel. And uh, in that very short uh, intro video, uh, you probably noticed that we're going to be talking about the gospel past, that this gospel really happened sometime 2,000 years ago. Okay? How many of you are familiar with that particular uh, account okay? or that his, uh, piece of history? And that the gospel also affects us in the present day and age. And this same gospel will also affect us in the future. Okay, so... When you talk about the gospel, the gospel is not just something uh, that happened in history. Okay? But the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that the gospel has the power uh, for salvation. And uh, how many of you are grateful that you are saved by faith? Amen. Okay? So the gospel uh, gives us power. Everybody say power. Yeah, okay? Once again, okay? One, two, three. Power. Yan, para kasi walang power, kasi para umaga pa, no? medyo inaantok pa yata lahat, okay? Now, hopefully, in this series, for the next three weeks, uh, we hope that we will understand what the gospel means, and that it gives us power not only to be saved, okay? But it also is, uh, you know, it also gives us power to be changed. Everybody say, be changed. And lastly, to be transformed into the image and likeness of of Jesus Christ. Okay, how many of you know that by faith you and I are becoming more and more like Christ every single day? Alright, so by faith, yeah, okay? Okay, and so that's exactly what we're uh, looking at, okay? And so uh, we are uh, going to be talking about uh, the gospel, and that leads to Holy Week, okay? Uh, today uh, we're going to be talking about gospel past which is uh, what happened in, in, in history and what this means for us as believers. Uh, that, you know, somehow even if this happened in the past, it has uh, a fresh message for us uh, even today, okay? Um, also, uh, you know, next week we're going to be talking about gospel present, how we are being sanctified uh, by the power of the gospel. You don't have to go back to, uh, you know, bad, uh, bad good works. Uh, but, uh, and, and then uh, third week from now, uh, two weeks from now, we're going to be talking about gospel in the future, Okay. Now, let me just uh, take a, uh, a pop quiz uh, this morning, okay? And I want everybody to participate. Can I ask everybody's participation this morning? Okay, you don't need to have uh, or get a piece of paper. This can just be uh, uh, answered by a mere uh, raising up of hands, okay? So, I want you all to close your eyes. Okay, close your eyes. Everybody, hang on to your bags. <laughs> Hold your cell phone, okay? But close your eyes, okay? Close your eyes. I'm going to be asking a question, okay? Basically, the question is this. And I'm going to give you multiple choice uh, answer, okay? The question is, how can a person be saved? Okay? Or what is the requirement for salvation 
or in another uh, way to say it, what is the requirement for a person to go to heaven? Okay, so I hope I'm clear. Okay, letter A. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, say it and then later on you're going to ask. Okay, letter A, by good works alone. Okay, because, you know, some people say all roads lead to heaven anyway. Letter B, by faith alone. Okay, and letter C, by faith plus good works. Because according to James, faith without works is dead. Okay, so... Letter A, by good works alone, because all roads lead to heaven. Heaven. Letter B, by faith alone. Okay. Or letter C, by faith and good works together. Okay. So who, oh, without looking, okay, everybody close your eyes, without looking, who will answer letter A, by good works alone? One, two, three. Task Okay. Who will answer letter B by faith alone? Raise your hand. With boldness, yeah. And letter C by faith and good works, because according to James, faith without works is there. Please raise your hand. Okay? If you think it's letter C. Alright. You may put your hands down. Okay? You may open your eyes. Okay, tell the person beside you, there is no condemnation in Christ. Even if you have the wrong answer. <laughs> okay, when I ask letter A, I am so glad that nobody raised his or her hands. Okay, so because salvation is not really achieved by doing good. Okay, or by, or by being good or by having good works. Okay, pero the tricky question is, is it only by faith alone? Now, my question was, how can we be saved? What's the qualification to go to heaven? Okay? By faith alone or, letter C, by faith plus good works. Okay? Now, the right answer is letter... Letter B. By faith alone. Sabi niyo, but pastor, sinabi nga ni James, di ba? Faith without works is dead. Now, James was referring to our manner of living, how to glorify God and how to serve other people. It's not referring to our salvation. Okay? Because when you talk about salvation, we are all saved by faith. This is by grace, not by works. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And so, I hope that, you know, in the next uh, three weeks, we will have a greater grasp of what the gospel is. That, you know, when you talk about the gospel, when you talk about salvation, salvation is a free gift. Okay? How many of you have had a uh, birthday gift? You have a birthday gift. Okay? At least once in your life. Hopefully, you receive something, okay? Now, if you receive the birthday gift, okay, you know, did you get out your wallet and say, how much is my birthday gift? Can I pay for my birthday gift? What do you think will that person who gave you will, will feel? Right? He'll feel offended. 
Diba? Because you're trying to pay. He's, he's wanting to bless you with a gift. And here you are, you're trying to pay for that particular birthday gift. And salvation is like that. It's a free gift. Don't the person beside you tell that person it's free. Somebody paid for it. Alright. So, today we're going to be talking about the gospel past. And if you have your Bibles, can you please uh, open up the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter uh, 1. We're going to be reading from verse uh, 12 to... Uh, 14. Okay, I'd like to invite everyone to stand up with me. If you're looking for Colossians, it's uh, in the middle of the Pauline letters after Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or G-E-P-C, Gentiles Eat Pork Chop. Okay? That's my code there. Okay? That's the last of Pauline, uh, Pauline's uh, short letters. Okay? All right. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, uh, actually to 14. Okay, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us. Everybody say, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. In whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you, Lord God, for the good news that was given to each and every one of us. And my prayer, God, is that we will never get tired of listening to this good news. That we will never get that this will not get old in our lives. That every single day may we realize that we need the gospel. That may you give us a fresh revelation of what the gospel is all about in our lives. And I thank you, God, that you, you will give us a greater grasp, Lord God, of what Jesus Christ did and gave for each and every one of us so that we can actually enjoy a rescuing, enjoy redemption, and enjoy forgiveness. This we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. So just to give us a, uh, a background of the letter of Paul to, uh, Coloss- to the Colossians, actually during the third mission, you know, the Apostle Paul basically uh, went around three times in the Asia Minor region, okay? And uh, on the third missionary trip, as he was reaching out to uh, Ephesus, there was this certain guy that God saved Epaphras, and he was instrumental in planting a new church in Colossae. Now, Colossae is actually 700 years before uh, Paul's ministry. Colossae was a very important city in the uh, Asia Minor. In fact, Colossae is actually the modern-day Turkey. Okay? So uh, if you look at the map right now, that's where uh, Turkey is located. And Colossae is one of those very influential cities. And when, the, and when uh, Epaphras planted this brand-new church, it was actually attacked by heretical teachings. And so the reason why the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians is to address such heresy because they were teaching ceremonialism, you know, that you have to have strict adherence to rules and regulations in order to be saved. And that's exactly what the message was, that you, know, you don't have to work for your salvation, though in the Bible says you have to work out your salvation. You know, after being saved, that's the fruit of your salvation is good works. I hope that we're getting it, right? We're not working to be saved. We are now saved 
And the outcome or the fruit of our saved life is good works. I hope that that is clear. Because sometimes, you know, you, know, you look at a person who's seemingly morali- a moralistic guy, you know, parang wala siyang, you know, hindi naman siya nananakitang kapwa. You know, they're very good, they're very generous. But yet, my question is, who is he trusting for his salvation? A person who's seemingly good on the, on the outside might still not be qualified to go to heaven because the whole question there is faith. Who is he trusting? Is he trusting in himself? Or is he trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross? And here you are, you know, you have to distinguish that because you see two seemingly the same kind of people. They're good, they're committed in church. You know, they're generous, they're, they're kind to their neighbors, they, you know, they, uh, they, uh, you know they, they have a good business, they don't, they're not corrupt, and yet, the whole difference is the motivation of them uh, in the area of belief, and in the area of faith and trust. And so, the Apostle Paul was addressing such, and he was also addressing, you know, angel worship in that church. He was addressing syncretism, everybody say syncretism. Syncretism is actually a practice or a belief wherein the believers are actually practicing other uh, world's ways. They, synch- uh, they synchronize their practice. So you adhere to one without letting go of the other. So they still believe in uh, you know, idol worship. They still believe in uh, you know, uh, or luck or whatever. How many of you know that you don't have to believe in luck? Hindi tayo naniniwala sa swerte, di ba sabi nga nila, dahil malas daw yun, okay? So anyway, so but kidding aside, you know, we, we put our faith not on the alignment of the sun or the moon and the stars or horoscope or astrology. And so, you know, some of the believers in that particular church was synchronizing all these beliefs, you know, the things that they have learned that was passed down from their ancestors and now this new thing called Christianity, and they're trying to practice everything. You know, it's kind of similar with what we have in our culture. And you see a lot of syncretism, right? I mean, you, you have faith in, you know, in, in, in Jesus, and yet there are other, you know, persons that you pray to. That's syncretism. Okay? And so... You know, the Apostle Paul was writing, that's the purpose of the letter, and he was clarifying what the gospel is. And I believe that when you talk about the gospel, we have to define what the gospel is. The gospel simply means good news. Everybody say good news. It's good news, not good advice. You know, some people think that the gospel, you know, when they read the Bible, it's just like, oh, it's a good advice. You know, when you, you probably have somebody come to you for counsel, and then you open up your Bible... And then they thank you. Thank you for that advice, pastor. Or maybe you're a victory group leader. Thank you for that advice, bro. But in reality, when you talk about the gospel, it's not about just giving you an advice. Because an advice, an advice is something that you do or don't do based on the teaching that you hear. But a good news is something that happened in the past. It's based on a past event. The gospel is based on what Jesus already did. Amen. And that's exactly what we're looking at. That even if it happened 2,000 years ago, guess what? The gospel is as fresh today as it will be and even tomorrow. Amen. 
It has a personal application in our life every single day. It's more than a good advice. You know, when you talk about good advice, you know, it's, you know, it's all about do this and don't do this. You know, go to church. You know, don't just go to one service. Go to all services. Don't just give your tenth. Go and give to real life. Building fine. You know, it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. But when you talk about and and we do those, yes. But that is not the basis of how we are saved. And I, you know, my, I want to just take the time to unpack this thing because I want us all to leave this place having this knowledge that I am saved not because of what I do. It's a gift. That when you leave this place, you would realize, ah, okay, not because of the amount of Bible I read every day. Not because of the length of time that I pray in the morning. Not based on my posture coming to church, whether to walk, to crawl, to roll, maglakad ng diagonal, patiwari, you know, upside down, you know. It's not about that. But it's based on the work of a person 2,000 years ago. And that's basically what Christianity is all about. What Jesus Christ did for us, not what you are doing for Him. Because can you imagine, if it's all about what we do, heaven will be a noisy place. You know, I've, I've said this, I think sometime in my previous preachings. Because if you can earn salvation by what you can do, can you imagine if that's the prerequisite to get to heaven? Maybe you get there, we're comparing. Ano ginawa mo? Ba't dito ka? Eh ako, I'm faithful with my wife. How about you, bro? Eh, hindi mo itatanong. Ako ang sa victory. Ako ang nagpatayo ng church niyo. Ay, ako naman. Ako naman nagpa-aircon dyan. Kasalamat ka sa akin. Pagsama, malamig. You know, and, you know, it's all about us comparing. You know, this guy is talking about, you know, here I am. You know, I actually brought 50 people to church. This whole section is mine. These are all my disciples. Can you imagine how noisy heaven will be if it's all based on our good works? We're all going to be bragging about, Hey, come on, what are you doing? You don't have to go But guess what? In heaven, we're not going to be boasting. We're going to be looking at a person. His name is Jesus. He's sitting on a throne. And all, all we're doing is we're going to be worshiping Him, we're going to be thanking Him, we're going to be adoring Him, we're going to be glorifying Him, honoring Him for what He has done in our lives. Amen. That's exactly what we're going to be doing in heaven. Because it's all based on what Jesus did. And sometimes I realize that in order for us to appreciate the good news, we have to know what the bad news is. Isn't it? Because it's all about perspective. Let's say, for example, if you have, what if you have a visitor one day, and you were out of town, you're out of town, and this guy came in, and you know he was expected by the family, but yet you said, you know, you can stay in my house for a couple of days while I'm out. At least, you know, you, you came in from you know from out of town, but I'm in my vacation, and so this guy came in, and as he was about to leave, he was thankful. He actually called you and said. You know, bro, 
uh, as I was in your house, I noticed that you have a couple of bills on your table, and I decided to pay your bills. And so, you know, you're probably wondering, which bill did you pay? Is it the 500 peso mobile cell phone bill that I have? Because if it's the 500 peso mobile cell phone, what's your reaction if somebody pays you the 500 peso bill? Thank you. You'll shake his hands. Thank you for treating me 500 pesos. At least we're not merienda. But what if this person covered your 5 million peso debt? And he said, you know, I, I saw this debt from your bank and it says 5 million pesos. I said, I wrote a check and paid the bank. And you're off the hook. How would you feel? You're not just going to shake the hands of that guy. You'll probably kiss his feet and worship him. And that's exactly how sometimes we look at Jesus. You know, when, what if Jesus comes in here and, you know, how do you view what he has done for us? Did he just pay a 500 peso phone bill on your table? Or did he get you off the hook from a 5 million peso debt? Actually, more than that. And the way you realize how much you've been forgiven from this huge debt determines the way you honor him and live your life and worship him. To him who is much forgiven, much, uh, he who is forgiven much, loves much. Because the bad news is the depravity of man. You know, when you talk about depravity, depravity is a moral corruption. It's wickedness. It's the innate corruption of the human nature due to what? The original sin. Guess what? How many of you are human beings? Can you please raise your hand? Great, okay? Now, my next question is, how many of you are sinners? Can you please raise your hand? All of us. Why? Because of the original sin. Even if, you are, even if you were a toddler, guess what? That child that you have right now, maybe in the toddler room, that child, excuse me for the term, he is wicked to the core. He's cute, cute but wicked. Wickedly cute. <laughs> Cutely wicked. Because it's the nature of man. And because we are wicked and because we have depravity, guess what? We need rescuing. We need somebody to save us. We need somebody to rescue us. We can't save ourselves. You know, how many of you have uh, heard of the Chilean miners uh, incident 2010? Remember that? When they were trapped in a cave uh, down in a mining uh, uh, compound in Chile. And uh, this is the perspective of what happened. And there were, there were, they were known as the Los Trentaytres. Okay? The 33. 33 men, they were trapped about 2,300 feet below the ground. Okay? Now, I'm not sure if this is a, uh, a clear picture. But somehow, I have here some buildings. You know, this is the Eiffel Tower. I have here a... Uh, uh, let's see. Empire State. And this is the... Burj uh, Khalifa, okay? one of the tallest buildings in the world. Okay? So, the same height of the Burj, you invert it, that's how deep they are. 
down the ground. About 700 meters. In fact, it takes about 5 kilometers for them to be able to reach where they are by walking because it's a spiral uh, walkway down the path. You know, of course, you don't go down by... You don't slide there to the mining. I'm here! You know, it takes a while for you to get down to that particular level. And then it crashed. And then the whole nation was grieving because they say that nobody can survive this. 33 men. But however, guess what? After 69 days, all the 33 men were alive. But if you were part of the 33 men, and some of them were experienced miners. They've been doing this for many years. They know what it means to be trapped in a cave. They know what it means to get out. They, know, they are engineering experts. And yet, at that particular situation, they were helpless. They couldn't help themselves. No matter how, you know, how much expertise you have in the mining incident, guess what? If you're down there 700, feet below, 700 meters below uh, the ground, guess what? You need somebody up there to help you. And the president of Chile, you know, I think uh, organized almost every government agency to help in this rescue mission. They even contacted NASA. And guess what? After 69 days, you know, they actually brought a capsule and had to bring it down one by one so that they can actually take a person at a time. Can you imagine if you were one of those guys, 33 miners trapped in that cave, and for the first time, you know, after 69 days of just breathing carbon dioxide, you know, it's recycled air already. They had to bring down, you know, I don't know how, how long that oxygen tube is, but it's still recycled air. And for the first time, they, when they went, oh, can you imagine the feeding of these guys? But for the first time, the breath of a fresh air outside. Ah, thank you, Lord. That's the picture. We were trapped in our sins. We are depraved as we are. We are doomed for destruction. We need salvation. We need rescuing. And that's exactly what Jesus did. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says what? Can you all read this out loud? One, two, three. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. It's almost like the picture of the Chilean miners. To seek and save. A rescue mission to seek and save what was lost. And guess who was lost? We were lost. We were doomed. The bad news is that apart from Jesus and His finished work, we are all, number one, we're dead. We are dead. Not a person beside you, you're dead. Without Jesus, okay? Not now. Kamu na mamatay ngayon, okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your what? Transgressions and sins. And as I asked earlier, you know, all of us have sinned. There's not one of us who's exempted here. Even me as a pastor, I'm not exempted. Even our new, the new Pope, Pope Francis, guess what? He is a sinner. For all have sinned. Romans chapter 3, and four, uh, 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 there's no one who's righteous, not even one. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. As I said earlier, even the cutest baby sinned. 
you know, when you talk about sins, you know, sins, uh, sin is actually missing the mark. You know, for example, if you, you know, how many of you drive? Please raise your hand if you normally drive, okay? How many of you actually went through a one-way street? Or maybe you went through a red light? Diba? Now, when you talk about sin, sin is going through the one-way street because you don't know if it's a one-way street or not. You just went for it. Okay? That's sin. You missed the mark. Transgression, on the other hand, is a rebellious nature. It's, you know it's one way. I'll do it anyway. That is transgression. And there's no difference between sin and transgression. Whether it's a deliberate sin, whether it's a sin that you did not even mean to do, but you sinned because you missed the mark, guess what? For the wages of sin is death. It brings death. We're all dead. Because we are all sinners. We miss the mark. And how many of us, after being saved, still sin? I mean, how many of you, don't, you know, even after you got saved, you still sin at least once, twice, three times? Why is that? Because of this body that is bent for destruction. You know, as long as you're in the flesh, there's always a struggle inside of you. You want to do what's right. And yet there's a struggle, there's a temptation. Gusto Parang there's always a tug between your in your heart. You know, there's, I'm gonna do right. I'm gonna do wrong. I'm gonna do right. Because, you know, it's, it's always a constant struggle of doing what's right and doing, you know, obeying God, not obeying God, obeying God, not obeying God. Disobedient. Apart from Christ, guess what? We were dead. We're disobedient. Ephesians chapter 2, same uh, chapter, verse 2, it says, In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. How many of us have been disobedient for the Lord? We know the commands. Some of us wanted to follow the, you know, when I was younger, I said, I'm going to obey the Ten Commandments. But no matter how you try to obey the Ten Commandments, guess what? You're going to break at least one of them. And the Bible says, if you break one, you're guilty of breaking all. It's unfair, Lord. No, in His eyes, if you miss one, you're all failing great. Because the standard of God is perfection. The Bible says, Jesus said, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. And how can we attain perfection? That's the standard of God, perfection. You want to go to heaven by good works? Okay. You can. Be perfect. How many of you are qualified? Depraved. Dead, disobedient, depraved. Gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. You know, the lustful thoughts. The lust of the eyes. Here you are. You, there's no satisfaction 
with our eyes. Did you realize that? Bago pa yung cellphone mo. May iPhone 4 ka. Lumbas iPhone 5. Gusto mo na iPhone 6. The last of the eyes. Maybe you have a new bag and you're, kailangan I want to have more bags. Ayoko naman sa Kusana. Gusto ko naman Chanel. Maybe, you know what, I'm just, this is a crude example, but you know, somehow the lust of the flesh, you, know, you have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, you know, giving into temptation, to immorality, and then the pride of life. How many of you are humble? How many of you are proud to be humble? Anybody here? I mean, we're all proud in different degrees. Diba you see people who are really proud and arrogant? Yung parang, wow, lakas ng hangin. Diba parang, ooh. How many of you know people like that? Diba? Magsalita pa lang, ooh, nahihipan na ako. <laughs> but yet, there are people that don't really talk much and yet they're prideful. In their hearts, they probably are saying, Lord, I thank you because I am better than this guy. I am more righteous than him. He's going to hell and I am not. How many of you know that is pride? It's the same pride as this guy was boastful. And even if you are not saying anything, you have the same pride. Because the center of sin is the letter I. It's me, my, and my. Oh, my. Bottom line, we're doomed. That's the bad news. How many, of you now, how many of you will appreciate the good news after this? Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. God is just patient with us. And how many of you know that sometimes we tend to test the Lord? You know, here you are, you lied, hindi naman kumit lang. So you do it again. You lie again, kikidak ba? Bumuka ba lupa? Hindi naman, di ba? In the Old Testament, when the people of God sin, you know, the, the ground just opened and swallowed them up. Can you imagine if God still does that today? Ubus na, grabe ito. God has been so merciful. We were by nature objects of wrath. You know what an object of wrath is? There's a bullseye in the middle of your chest. You're an object of wrath. And you are just heaping judgment every day because of the sins that you are accumulating. But God is just holding back. I am patient. And I am willing to give you grace so that you can repent. The, God. the good news. How many of you would like to hear the good news? Yahoo! Of course, you know, I'd rather hear good news than bad news, right? There's this pastor who told this congregation, Today, I have the good news and the bad news. Can you imagine if we would stand up here talking about that? So this pastor told the congregation, First is the bad news. Our church roof is leaking 
and it needs massive repair. That's the bad news. And the people were asking, what's the good news? What's the good news? The good news is, we have enough money to put the repairs to start. I mean, to, uh, to, to have the repairs. And then he said, but I have another bad news. What's the bad news? The money is still in your pockets. <laughs> anyway. Perspective. Ephesians 2, 4. You know, continuing to those verses talking about death and talking about disobedience and talking about depravity and talking about doom. Guess what? Verse 4, praise God. It didn't stop in the doom and the destruction. It says, but because of His what? Great love. God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even when we were dead. He made you alive even though you were dead in transgressions. It is by what? By grace and unmerited favor from God. Through Jesus and His finished work on the cross, God has, going back to Colossians, and these are my final points, He qualified us. He made us sufficient and adequate. You know, I saw in ATC the other day, I was uh, walking there, and there's a job fair. People are looking for jobs. And they're hoping that they would be qualified for the job. And they would fill up a resume and fill up an application form, and they would go through an interview, and they would go through a test. Guess what? You know how difficult that is looking for a, a, a job, and then there's an interview where you're trying to convince that person that I am the guy or the woman that you need for the job. Guess what? A better proposition is all of us, because of what Jesus Christ did, it qualified us already. Made us sufficient, and it's adequate already. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to what? Qualified us for what? To share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Guess what? We're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You are now part of the kingdom of light. You know, we're not familiar with kingdoms. We don't have a king. Although some of us act like we're princesses or you know, queens or whatever. But somehow, when you talk about royalty, God Himself, Jesus, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can you imagine the inheritance that we have in Him? He not only qualified us, but He also what? He rescued us. To rescue means to drag or to draw to oneself. He came forcefully to save us, drag us out of the pit from the dominion of darkness. It says in verse 13a, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And where did He put us? Brought us, removed us, and transferred us so from darkness to light. Brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. So He qualified us. He rescued us. He brought us into the kingdom of His Son, Jesus. Lastly, He redeemed and He forgave us. In other words, He released our debts. We were all debtors before the Lord. Sin brings death. Transgression brings death. For the wages of sin is death. 
He freed us. He canceled our debts. That's why when He was you know, hanging on that cross, the very last word that Jesus said was, Tetelestai, it is done, it is finished, it is paid for. Paid in full. Boom, you're released. Go, serve the Lord. Verse 14, it says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Basically, what this means is justification. Everybody say justification. You know, justification seems to be a big theological word. And sometimes we might miss the meaning of justification. And the Bible says justification. Just to put it in simple terms, the meaning of justification is just as if I've never sinned. Justification. You're justified. When you say you're justified, God puts us back into mor- morally being neutral. We are not a sinner. God looks at you as somebody who did not sin. How many of you know that is good news? And the other, you know, it's like two sides of the coins. On one side of the coin is just as if I've never sinned. That is what justification means. On the other side of the coin, it also means just as if I always obeyed. Look at the person beside you. Tell that person, I obeyed ka pala. Because you've been justified. Now that you are justified, God treats you as somebody who's been obedient all along. You never sinned, and you've always obeyed. you fulfilled the requirements of the law. Because of what we did in the past, is it because of the amount of Bible read? No, not because of that. It's because of what Jesus Christ did. It's because of this word. Substitute. He was the one who fulfilled that for us. He was the one who did not sin for us. In fact, the, the proper verse to, capsulate, to encapsulate this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, God made him uh, who had no sin to be what? To be sin for us. Jesus was a sinless Lamb of God. And I call this the great imputation. Not amputation, okay? God or Jesus imputed His righteousness to us and we imputed our sin to Him. Ang unang dito, exchange gift. We exchange at the cross, it's double imputation. God made Him to be, no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus' sinless life was given to us. Our sinful life was given to Him. So that when God looks at you, guess what? You are a righteous man and a righteous woman because of what Jesus Christ did. Amen. That's the benefit of salvation. Amen. How many of you watch American Idol from time to time? Maybe American Idol in the past. You know, in the American Idol, they have judges. And they actually, you know, the initial part of the uh, competition was the judge who determined whether this person is qualified to go on to the next round. And America will vote also if they're qualified. Guess what? It's almost like in American Idol, and you are... How many of you can't really sing? Can you please raise your hand? I'm raising my, even my feet. Okay. okay. It's kind of like us standing in front of the stage... And what the judge would see is Carrie Underwood singing. You're singing your song, 
and what they see and what they hear, si Carrie Underwood, the American Idol. And when they judge you, they judge you based on what Carrie Underwood's performance, not based on your performance. That's a very good example. But guess what? Every time God looks at us, He doesn't look you sinning in the past anymore. He doesn't look you as a reprobate. He doesn't look at you as a disobedient child. God sees you as He sees Christ in you. Because you now have the righteousness of Jesus inside of you. That is what justification is all about. When you pray, it's Jesus praying through you, not you praying for yourself. That's why we can have boldness. The reason why we can actually go into the presence of God with boldness, it's not because of what we have done in the past. Not because of the posture, lumuhod ka, tumabalik ka, magtambling ka. It's not about that. It's about Jesus' finished work on the cross. Ephesians 53 verse um, 5 and 6 says, But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him and by His wounds. We are what? We are healed. We are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on Him. On whom? On Jesus. The iniquity of us all. Can you imagine? If there are 6 billion people in the planet today, and I don't know how many billions live before us, guess what? Every one of those sin was laid on Jesus. On the cross. It was a heavy burden. That's why Jesus was sweating with blood at the Garden of Gethsemane. Because He was feeding the burden of the cross of humanity on top of Him. And the Bible says, the wrath of God was poured upon His Son and not on us. We were supposed to be on that cross. We were supposed to be receiving the wrath of God. Guess what? The wrath of God was redirected from you, from us, to Jesus. How many of you now appreciate the gospel? Praise God. That's why we can say in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you talk about condemnation in this particular verse, it's not about a feeling of guilt. I feel condemned kasi hindi ako, hindi ako nagising. Nalate ako sa church. I feel condemned. I'm not talking about that condemnation. Condemnation in that particular context means condemnation of going to hell. That is what condemnation. You're condemned. You're destined to die because you're a sinner and the ways of sin is death. Guess what? Romans 8 says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you are grateful for that? Amen. Praise God. Tell the person beside you, no longer, you're no longer going to hell because of what Jesus did. No more condemnation. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we also have peace. Not only did we be become saved from the fires of hell, but we have been justified. We have been given peace with God. We have been reconciled. Because of sin, we have been separated from God. And guess what? Because Jesus died on the cross, He bridged the gap to have, so that we can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just read this. Christianity is the only good news salvation. It tells you what is already done. The Gospel says that Jesus Christ lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died 
as your substitute so that God can receive you not on your record or for your own sake, but on Jesus' record and for Jesus' sake. Praise God. And the record of Jesus is just perfection. Can you imagine, for those of you who are students, can you imagine, even if you fail the exam, the teacher will allow you to graduate as summa cum laude. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But that's exactly the picture of salvation. Being justified. God did not just make us morally pure, back to zero, but He made us to be like Him, more and more, in the image of Christ. Main point is this, the gospel is not about what we do, but about what Jesus has already done. This is the final illustration. I want to ask Dexter to help me here. Okay, Let's pretend, okay, Let's pretend that Dexter does not know how to swim. Okay? And he was in the middle of the ocean. Uh, not in the middle of the ocean, because I'm a lifeguard. For example, I'm a lifeguard. Okay? And uh, see Dexter. Dexter is drowning. Okay? Pretend you're drowning, bro. Parang hardly shaken, bro. Drowning, drowning, drowning. So because he's drowning, he's now shouting, shouting. Yun, yun. Yeah, yeah. Do you believe him? Nakangiti kasi eh, no? Bro, dapat magkangiti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's drowning, he's helpless, okay? He's struggling, he's kicking, okay? He's, you know, uh, he's trying to do treading or whatever, but he can't. He's sinking, okay? Me as a lifeguard, what? I, my objective is to help Dexter, right? As a lifeguard. I want to help Dexter, I want to rescue him, okay? What? Right, can I explain pa ako, no? So what if? In my desire to help Dexter, I tell Dexter, okay, Dexter, here's what you do, okay? I want you to kick straight, okay? Paddle, paddle, come on, come on, paddle, paddle, okay? Paddle, paddle, okay, okay, uh, okay, do, your, do this, okay? Yes, yes, do that, okay? Circular motion, left, right, left, right, okay? Are, am I helping him? I don't think so. He's, he doesn't know how to swim. He's faking it. He's actually struggling. You know, sometimes religion is like that. He wants to save himself, but yet he's trying to do his own thing. He wants to go to church, every service here, you know, wants to lead the victory group. He wants to help the poor, giving his tithes and offering. Ako nagpagawaan ng victory. You know, everything he's doing is actually making him sink more, right? He's struggling. It's not helping him. What if, instead of me just doing nothing, I have Exhibit A. Wait for me! I'm gonna rescue you, bro! I want you to catch, okay? Stop struggling, okay? Woo! Now, I want you to relax. Chillax. Easy. Don't struggle anymore. I'm gonna pull you. I'm gonna pull you, yes. I'm gonna pull you. Guess what? Even if Dexter is no longer struggling, guess what? Do you think he's safe? And he's safe? Yes. <laughs> it's not a quick question, okay? Because he just relied on this life-saving device. Guess what? It's kind of like what Jesus Christ did. All you have to do is to hang on to his promises. 
It's a finished work. You don't have to struggle anymore. All you have to do is to let go. And chillax. And God will pull you to salvation. Amen. Can we just give an extra hand for that? Praise God. You know, some people are asking what the verse of the gospel is. When, when somebody asks you what the gospel verse is, the normal verse that you give is John 3.16, right? What is John 3.16? God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him is not perished. That is good news because it depicts what God did. But the real gospel verse really is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. What is the gospel? Verse 3. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. He was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What is the gospel? Jesus died, he was buried. We hope you were inspired and changed by that message. To find out how to live the gospel and apply it to your day-to-day life, we encourage you to join the Victory Group today. Simply fill up a form at the Concierge or in our website at www.victoryalabang.org. Thank you and stay connected.